You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Longhorns Podcast. I am your host, Dexter John. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsGuy. Follow the firecracker, Cami, at Cami and G. And uh, follow the show, Locked On Horns. Locked On Longhorns on Instagram. All right, Cammy. Yesterday you fired everybody, so <laughs> we're uh, we're gonna get uh, into a little little more about about the team. You know, the the thing that I think is interesting and something that we've talked about a lot is, is development, right? And mm-hmm. the the big thing is like you take a quarterback, highly touted quarterback like like Sam Ellinger, already a four star, so you just gotta mold him become that next level. And it almost seems like the team does well despite of that. Like, Sam does it because of his ability, not because he's been developed into a top-tier quarterback. You know, they they brought in top defenders and, and all of those things. But is it straight development that's the problem? Is it a talent issue? I, it's definitely not a talent issue, and I'll get into that in a second, but I do think there's a major develop, player development issue going on at Texas, and like we mentioned in the last episode, it's been going on since Mac Brown left. I mean, Herman is bringing in, I think, three years in a row, so um, 18, 19, and 20, a, a top eight recruiting class in the nation, and they're just not producing on the field, and eventually you have to point a finger at the coaching staff. I mean, um, this is now what Herman's reworked staff and you're having the exact same issues, which we now call familiar (laughs) failures um, at Texas under Herman. So uh, I agree with what you're saying there. And you could actually argue that Ellinger is the reason Tom Herman's sticking around. I think he's the one that's kind of been, his talent has been carrying this team. And um, 24-7 Sports actually released their team talent Uh, rankings today and Texas was number five in the country with the most talented roster and so they were just kind of laying in uh, to Herman and the coaching staff just basically that there's no excuse for their underwhelming two and two record right now. I would call Sam Ellinger the diaper because he catches all Herman's crap (laughs) Um, and, and the reason I say that is because of all of these guys they have around them Brennan Eagles, four-star recruit, highly touted guy. Jake Smith, four-star out of uh, Arizona. Braden Lybrock, we haven't even seen him. Four-star guy out of Arizona, one of the top pass catchers at the tight end position. He can't even see the field because they go with, you know, guys that I guess they're familiar with, they're comfortable with. Like they go with a Cade Brewer, a Malcolm Epps. Yeah, you actually just made a great point that they're not utilizing half of the talent they have. I didn't even look at it that way. I've just kind of viewed it kind of as player development. But you're right. Some of these very talented players aren't even getting on the field. Let's, I mean, offensive line, right? Who do they have behind where they can play? Uh, a center like Jake Majors, yep. one of the top five centers in the country who was recruited. Yeah, he's a freshman. But, you know, with, with the struggles they're having, especially on the outside on the right, where Derek Kerstetter was, I think they need to push him back out there. Um, a, a Denzel Okafor, this is his third program. I mean, he's bounced around, and you know, and he's not playing at a level that you should expect. 
right? And, and, and you know, it goes back to what I said last time. It, it's a problem with Herb Hand. You know, mm -hmm. this is not, you know, unfamiliar. So it is, what, you, what did you call it? Familiar failures? Yeah. That's another one of those. I think Isaiah Hookman should be playing guard. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I think it all boils down basically to a coaching issue because every point we make kind of goes back to either the, it's a player development issue, either they're not utilizing this talent, you could argue the play calling, it's, um, you can't, I think they got a pass for so long, one, because we mentioned Sam carrying the team, but two, uh, that they were young, people just came, kept saying they're young, they're young, give them a few years, and uh, it's still the same failures under Herman, but I thought what was interesting was that uh, the only teams ranked ahead of Texas with the most talented rosters this year were Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. And so um, those, you could argue that they're always competing, uh, not just for a conference championship, but for a national championship consistently. And uh, so I decided to look at the top 10 to see who's a little behind Texas. And they're consistently competing for a conference championship as well. I think there was only maybe one or two teams like USC, uh, for example, that was in there that maybe hasn't been competing for championships, but they were at number 10. So, I mean, Texas is sitting at number five and they're the odd man out with uh, not being able to produce with that talent. Yeah. The running joke, right. Is Texas, Basically. you know, and, and this is, you know, a constant thing. All right. Let's, you know, we talked a lot about the offense guy. What about defense? This is a, a school that consistently gets five-star safeties, five-star defensive backs, Caden Stearns, B.J. Foster. Who are the two guys that we think are underperforming right now, those two guys? Now, Caden Stearns, he's been injured, right? And we expected more out of him this year. I feel like those guys regressed under Herman. Uh, if you look at what Caden Stearns did his first year in 2018, you know, four interceptions, block punt. And really, what have, what have we seen in the last two years from him? Nothing. You know, so I wonder, not only is he not developing guys, but are they getting worse playing under him? Yeah, I mean, there's no excuse. It's, it's hard to, I guess, argue against having that much talent just because – Say it, Cammie. Uh, I heard that no excuse come out. Say it. I know. <laughs> There is. There's no excuses. He has all the pieces he has needed, especially this season, to make a run, and you can't blame it on the talent that he has. All we could honestly say he's been consistent in is top 10 recruiting classes. I know um, 2021 is probably going to drop a bit. Obviously, they just lost their second highest rated recruit in Billy Bowman, but it, th that's the only thing he's been consistent at. I can't think of another reason. And I know the players love him. I know he's a player's coach and things like that. And um, he does have some, some good culture and guidelines and stuff around the program. But like we mentioned, they're also undisciplined. They look unprepared. They look flat out there. They're making bonehead mistakes and penalties and drops. And it's just a mess all the time. And uh, I think that's kind of the summary of Tom Herman's tenure at Texas so far. The only thing that he's consistent at is being inconsistent. Um, right. You know, that's the best way that I can put it. You, you brought up the the penalties and, you know, some of the issues that they have and things that they shouldn't have problems with, you know, and we're going to get into some of our concerns, like talking about being undisciplined, talking about the run game how they utilize this talent. I, I mean, there's there's a load of things. I mean, you know, it, it almost feels like, you know, we're talking about a football team that's less than two and two, right? Just the way, but 
the, the fact is that we've only seen one game this year where we felt good about this football team. <laughs> um, and it was you, against UTEP. It was against UTEP. It was against an inferior impo- opponent who couldn't compete at all. I you know, think to- yeah, just to your point real quick, I think it's not just the fact that uh, they're having a lot of penalties and things like that. I think it's what penalties they are. Like, we're not talking about just your simple pass interference here and there. We're talking about false starts. We're talking about several unsportsmanlike conducts and, and crucial moments of a game that just – that's like a mental lapse to me. And you're having these uh, wide-open drops as well. Like, I – I could literally talk forever about how, how undisciplined this team has been playing, but um, it was just very telling uh, that 24-7 Sports believes they have the, um, I guess, number five most talented team in the country in their two and two and lost to two unranked teams. Uh, absolutely. All right, but coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what are our biggest concerns with the team moving forward. And in our final segment, we're going to talk a little bit about Baylor, Will they play? Won't they play? A lot to to get through in these next couple of weeks as they get prepared for yet another football game on the bye week. But first, I want to tell you about our friends at rockauto.com. Rock Auto is one of the best places to get all your automotive needs. All at your fingertips, on your computer. You don't have to go anywhere. You know, you can do it right there in your PJs. Just go to rockauto.com. You type in your make, your model, and everything. You pop up. I needed an oil pump for my truck. So what did I do? I went to rockauto.com, typed in my truck. They gave me everything I need. I found some other parts that I needed to get for my truck for later on that I don't need right now. But, you know, I, I know where to go now. I go to Rock Auto. It's, it's efficient. It's, it's quick. It's easy. It's all at your fingertips. Like I said, best pricing. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, dealing with uh, a salesman trying to upsell you on something at a higher end when this will do the job do what's expected so go why don't you do this favor go to rockauto.com uh when you check out a little drop down box tell them locked on longhorn sent you Tammy, are you concerned about this football team um yes i think there's too many question marks surrounding this football team right now Yes, I, I mean, would agree. Obviously, they're two and two. That's concerning enough, right? Yeah, I mean, when you figure out, I mean, and this is no disrespect to a Texas Tech <laughs> or a TCU, but given their level of talent versus Texas, there's no reason why. First off, they should have won both of those games. Second mm-hmm. off, they should have won them by a lot more than they did. Yeah, and yeah. I think. You can even just focus on the way they're losing. And um, like we've mentioned, we keep going back to their bonehead errors in every game and they're playing catch up. I feel like they don't even start uh, going up tempo or playing well until the fourth quarter. And so that's just, it's it's not gonna win you football games that way. And uh, these are two unranked opponents that they lost to. I would have been fine if Texas just maybe uh, lost in overtime to Oklahoma. Um, whether they were ranked or not, and that was their only loss. But uh, the fact that Texas just looked awful in probably at least 80, 85% of that game, uh, and you even thought Oklahoma could rout them for a little while in the first half. So I, it, it's just the way they're losing to me that's concerning. You know, but you, you, you talked about losing in overtime, but I don't know. Big 12 is kind of acting like 
that game should have never went to overtime. Oh, uh, yeah. With the time that was added a back onto the clock. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They added a 39 seconds to the clock in late in the fourth quarter. Texas ended up scoring with 14 seconds left to tie the game. Can you imagine, and before we get into our, our uh, other concerns that we wanted to get to, but can you imagine the outrage if Texas would have won that football game? Knowing that they added more time to the clock that allowed Texas oh, to tie yeah. it. Uh -huh. uh, you know, had had they tied it and went for two there, or maybe the, the first overtime when, or second overtime when Oklahoma scored and Texas, you know, scored again and they could have went for two there to win the football game. That would have been really a tense thing because I know Oklahoma fans would have been outraged. I mean, the media seemed outraged that they were even got the opportunity to tie the football game on that. Uh, but I thought that was funny. But let's let's talk about those concerns. And and before I get into my main concern, Joel Klatt brought up something I think is important um, in that game. And he talked about when a team gets back, you know, has a big comeback and they go back to their base offense that kind of got them in that issue to begin with. I'm, I'm curious on, on your thought here. I, I mean, I have my own ideas. Uh, do you think that's more of a Mike Yurcich thing, going back to the base offense, or do you think that was Tom saying, hey, Mike, let's let's do this. Let's go back to, you know, the game plan. Let's go back to, you know, the, the slower tempo rather than the up-tempo offense. Mm -hmm. I think that was Tom, and I, I really – I uh, don't even think it's much of a debate. I was mentioning to you and actually um, someone else who watches Texas pretty closely, uh, my cousin Dylan, actually, and he was saying this just doesn't look like a Mike Yersich offense. It hasn't most of the season. Um, like we mentioned, uh, they looked pretty good against UTEP, but we kind of use that as a disclaimer. But I mean, in conference play, it just looks like Herman has too much control of this offense now. And that's what's so concerning to me, I think. I think he should um, allow Mike Yurcevich to have full control of this offense and all of the play calls because it it just doesn't look like his offense, and I don't know how else to say that. I don't know. You you can pretty much tell when they get into the red zone and call quarterback power. I guarantee you that's not a Mike Yurcevich call. That's a Tom Herman thing. Um, you know, but I think it's – you know, it, it speaks to what I've always said about offensive head coaches. Right. When you bring in an offensive coordinator, they're going to run your offense. You know, it's – it's, it's your ingredients, your cookbook, but you're just telling them, hey, cook it, you know, put it together. And so when I see plays like that and, and things of that nature, and like Joel Klatt said, the, the slowing down and whatnot, that made me go, yeah, I, I, you know, I agree with that. I think that they needed they need to be more up-tempo. They need to be that quicker pace. I think that's really where this team does well, when they get people off, off kilter, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about your main concern, Cammie. What's, what's your biggest concern with this team right now? Um, I think it is going to focus on the run game here because we were hyping up these three talented running backs, and obviously um, they're talented in their own unique ways. I think they each provide something different, but it hasn't been working out. I mean, Sam Ellinger was a leading rusher the last two games, and that's never what you want to happen with your quarterback. And I know Ingram's having those turnover issues, uh, so he's obviously warranted uh, being sidelined a bit. And Roshan is the guy that I thought needed to step up the last two games, and he's been dealing with that shoulder injury. Uh, Bijan was dinged up and wasn't really, really available um, just because he only practiced once, which I thought, again, was going back to coaching there because win the dang game, you know. 
It's one game on the, I mean, it's one play on the goal line, but um, so he hasn't been able to be used, I guess, fully yet. So uh, it, it's just concerning to me that uh, they aren't able to run the ball right now. They need a more balanced offense. Yeah, I think some of that has to do with the fact that, you know, uh, Roshan's injury uh, that, that we've talked about, Bijan being injured. Uh, I think the other part is this offensive line can't block. Uh, right, uh, yeah. You know, the run blocking has not been very good. You know, I think the ability of Persan to run the ball uh, as well as he has has a lot to do with his scramble ability. Not so much that they're all designed runs. It's just when the play breaks down, Sam can get outside the pocket. You know, he can make some magic happen. Um, so I think I think that's some of it. The fact that, you know, on the right side of the offensive line, which I keep going back to that, but I think that's the weakness right now. Uh, when I look at what Christian Jones and, and Denzel Okafor, um, you know, I, I really feel like that right side is really where their a lot of their problems are. Like, I feel more comfortable with, a, you know, being unprotected on the left side with Samuel Cosme, with Junior Angelau. Uh, mm-hmm. But that center over to right tackle is really where – I'm, I'm concerned. That's that's my concern there. Yeah, um, I like that point just because games are won in the trenches and people often forget that. They don't uh, get the recognition they deserve unless they're obviously struggling and that's why we're talking about them. So, right. yeah, I get that. I think they go kind of hand-in-hand uh, hand there on the offensive side of the ball and I think the easy choice probably would have been the defense, but we talk about them enough. So, um, I think the concern definitely is the offensive line in the run game right now. Uh, the biggest concern has got to be the undisciplined football. Um, this is mm-hmm. this is the fifth most penalized football team in college football right now, and, and that's that's huge. Um, in their two losses, they're averaging ninety yards worth of penalty yards. Um, you know, overall, it's I think they're at eighty three point three penalty yards a game. You can't give up a hundred yards a game in penalties and expect to consistently win football games. The best teams are very disciplined. You know, like I like I even said last week. I can handle effort plays. It's the mental mistakes, you know. Right. The, the guys, you know, they're on a kickoff return, and the guys to your back, you, don't hit him because that's that's just going to cost you ten yards. Don't get me started on that curse debtor one again, or the Ooh. punter even. Oh gosh, those were two huge, huge, huge. You know what? I can handle. Game. I can handle curse debtor because I've seen him do it a hundred times. <laughs> that's what he's done you know you know sam's not always down you know push the pile yeah, you know you're taught that true. as an offensive lineman i get that but when my punter starts getting called for unsportsmanlike contact go sit down i mean you, yeah. your job is kick the ball and go sit down okay that that's what you should be doing <laughs> i shouldn't have to worry about my kicker uh you know and that just that makes me go on a rant like on, on uh mike vanderjack several years ago with uh when he went running his mouth and peyton manning said something the liquored up kicker uh, but you know th- those are one of the those things. It's kind of like when your kicker starts getting penalties, it's like um, that. That then you know. That's when you but, know the game is just not going your in your way, and the emotions were a little bit too out of control at that point. I feel like some some of those penalties, I felt like their emotions just weren't <clears throat> controlled. And I mean, it started when Ingram literally fumbled on the fir- his first carry in the game. Like that completely derails any momentum you had coming into this game. So then you're playing catch up, like I mentioned, and you're fighting back. And so uh, that brings me back to overtime when they finally had that momentum back. I felt like you could argue that um, they should have gone for two. And I don't always feel like that in overtime. I'm normally kind of more on the safe side, but just the way it was the way the game was going and how much momentum they had at that point, I thought it probably warranted going for two at some point. 
I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, uh, you know, how much trust you have on your defense. Uh, and if you don't feel comfortable, you know, if you're like, I, I'm worried about my defense or giving up a lot, especially because in a, overtime you're playing red zone defense. And right. that has not been good for Texas this year, giving up 80% uh, scoring in the red zone. So, you know, that's one of the big things. All right, but coming up next, let's talk about Baylor, what's going on there in Waco, and then we'll uh, hopefully about the football game that's actually coming up. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar has absolutely changed the the built the. I'm not gonna say Built Bar game. I almost said Built Bar. Cami, they have changed the Energy Bar game. Right? It's the healthy candy bar. I mean, you love Snickers, you love those things, right? That Built Bar, they got peanut butter, they got peanut butter brownie, they got mint brownie. Get the new strawberry there for a limited time. Head on over to BuiltBar.com. Use that promo code locked on. You're getting 20% off. I guarantee you you're going to love it. Get their 18-bar pack. Try each and every one of them. They got 18 flavors. Also, they got strawberry for the limited time. But I want you to try them all out and let me know what you think of them. And I'm sure they would love for you to tell them what, they, what you think of them. So head on over to BuiltBar.com. Use that promo code locked on for 20% off. Cammie, are we playing football next Saturday? Uh, I mean, I really hope so, but it's uh, definitely concerning at the moment because Baylor has, what, over 20 positive cases? Or uh, was it positive cases or players in quarantine on their football they team? They have 28 positive cases among the football Good team. gosh. Hold on. I'm going Billy Mays. But wait, there's more. There's staff. 14 more cases. So they got 42 cases. Uh, I thought it, I thought it was best uh, on Facebook. I knew you were going to say that. I was like, are we going to tell them what that Facebook oh, comment I was? was I, I have to because, I mean, I probably shouldn't have laughed as hard as I did, but I did. Normally there's would, some off-the-wall ones there, but I, I, I had to tell you to go look at this one because it was so funny. And, and, and I'm a terrible person with a very dark sense of humor. I'm just going to go ahead and admit that. But I thought this was hilarious when I read, are they bathing in COVID over there in Waco? And, and, you know, it's funny but not funny, but at the same time it's like, well, this is the third time they've had to shut down football activities. Uh-huh. Three. Texas hasn't had any problems. Yeah, and I think you know? a lot of uh, the big-time programs uh, you're not really seeing have those issues. And so, I mean, we've seen that. Uh, we posted on, on uh, Longhorns Wire usatoday.com but about uh just what goes into the detailed planning that texas has even uh traveling to a game um uh pregame rituals that have changed and things like that so they're taking literally every possible measure and so i think some other programs are having issues with um i guess <laughs> not having like a structured environment there so it it definitely concerns me because um, that was what just a couple days ago when they uh, announced those numbers. So you're you're looking at right around two weeks. So it's still very realistic that they can play, but uh, those test numbers are going to have to come down quick. Yeah, that's that's a lot, and that's a big reason why they had to move the Oklahoma State game against Baylor that was supposed to be played on Saturday, move back into December at around the same time as the Big Twelve Championship, which could get pushed back to the nineteenth depending on if they need that game to determine who will actually be in the game. Uh, otherwise, it'll probably be pay, played on the same day. Uh, 
So, yeah, th- that's the big concern. It's like at, right now it's like with the number, it's like will they have a – will they be able to fill the team? Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, that's – that's I mean, that's a good 25% of your football team right there. Uh, when you talk about 28 cases, you know, they have – what was it? I think it's close to 100 on scholarship uh, at any given time. Uh, and so w- when you talk about that, it's – that makes it really hard to play football. And, and so that makes – you know, it's, it's a concern, obviously, but – with them not playing against Oklahoma State, if they do get to play against Texas, it will be 21 days between games for them. Yeah, and I, I don't know if that's a great uh, – um, I, I don't even know what you would say. A benefit for them just because Texas is on a bye week uh, at the moment. So, And they're kind of in their normal um, day-to-day routine, and I think Baylor probably isn't with all of those positive tests. So uh, obviously they're missing more than a, just a handful of uh, players and staff members. So I actually think it still benefits Texas. Yeah, but you know the interesting part about that, you think with extra time they would spend more time focusing right. on Baylor. Uh, Tom Herman actually said, we got problems we got to fix first. We got to focus on us. We'll start Baylor prep next week. You know, so so they're focused on what they need to fix. So my question to you, Cami, is what do we need to see from this Texas football team against Baylor, provided that they do play on October 24th? Oh, I think they need – I think first and foremost, they need a fairly convincing win here. We can't have another one of those contests where Texas is playing catch-up at the end of the fourth quarter or taking another game into overtime for the third time this season. So I think uh, that all starts with Sam Ellinger. I mean, obviously the coaching staff and being disciplined and the bonehead mental mistakes play into that. But I think it all starts with Sam Ellinger because he hasn't been accurate in the air – at all during conference play, you can argue. So uh, that's really been one of their primary downfalls. And yeah, he, he's he's great when he's rushing, but you never want your quarterback to be uh, leading your team in rushing for consecutive weeks in a row. So uh, that goes back down to my other point that uh, they need a more balanced attack. And uh, hopefully they can get this run game going with Roshan because I think he would, he would be very um, useful in this offense right now. I think you meant Bijan, right? Maybe, yeah. that's, that's your pet cat. Mine's Roshan. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Bijan fan. I, I, you know, I think the uh, a passing game, uh, a lot of that, I think if they can get both Jake and Jordan on the field at the same time, it's going to help a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they need to find a way, you know, because nine times out of ten with these guys, especially a Tariq Black uh, with the Brennan Eagles, they're going up against a much smaller defender. Nine times out of ten. And that was my big thing is, like, against Oklahoma, Oklahoma's average height among their defensive backs is 5'9". And you have all these six-foot-plus wide receivers. You should be able to take advantage of that. Go over the top of them, you know, you know, uh, have them high point the ball. And that was the thing is, like, even when they did, Oklahoma was able to climb the ladder, so to speak, and, and get the ball like uh, Woody Washington did against Joshua Moore. But – you know, I, I think that's one of the things I want to see, uh, specifically on uh, the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, I need more from the pass rush. I mean, they, they can't allow I these agree. teams. And, and the reason why I'm concerned about the pass rush is the last two weeks they have played against teams who are not very good at protecting the quarterback, and they're not getting to the quarterback. And outside of Joseph Asai, I got nothing. 
Yeah, I'm I not think that, I, I mean, I guess you could argue that they're playing against a fairly decent dual threat quarterbacks who can get the uh, job done on the ground and in the air. But I mean, that's been one of their downfalls. I mean, we talk about all their missed tackles as well. Uh, but yeah, I think going into the season, we were fairly confident with this uh, pass rush and defensive line. And uh, obviously, Chris Ash coming in, Chris Ash coming in, we thought they'd get after the quarterback a bit more, and that hasn't happened. But I mean, the defensive unit has been struggling as a whole, so uh, there's a lot that go- goes into that. Did we buy into the hype of Chris Ash a little too much? <laughs> I think we bought into the coaching staff hype as a whole too early, maybe. So. Uh, well, I thought it was interesting. Uh, so when we were getting ready for the season on Longhorns Wire, I reached out to my guy Phil Harrison of Buckeyes Wire, who covered them during the Chris Ash time. And he, he told, you know, everything he said made me think it was going to be really good. You know, and, and so that's why I say, did we buy into the hype? I mean, I know we talked at length about the new coaching staff and, and on the expectation level and, But I mean, Urban Meyer just said, what, a week or two ago that Chris Ash was the best coordinator hire in all of college football this past offseason. So everyone was kind of buying into the hype, but uh, it's just not working out. And I think, honestly, the finger needs to be more pointed at Tom Herman than it does Mike Gersich or Chris Ash. I would agree. I I agree. I mean, I think ultimately when when you have a new staff with familiar failures still happening, I mean, it falls at the head of mm-hmm. uh, of your head coach. I mean, it's very much – it's unlike the NFL where you can have the same players on your team for six, seven, eight years, you know. Right. Or your main core, I should say. In college football, it's a rotation. Every, you know, every year you get new players in and, and new players leaving. So, every four years it's a completely different team than the one you saw four years ago. And so, I mean, and the fact he's been here for four years now and it's it's still the same thing. Maybe they win more games than they did under Charlie Strong, but it's the same problems. Offensive yeah, issues. Uh, you want to know a funny stat? I, I think uh, uh, Kyle, I mean, how do you say his last name? Umling, you know, the the, the Texas fan that everyone knows on Twitter or whatever, but he's one that always is pushing out these stats. And he made a funny comment on Twitter um, this week that said, even if Mac Brown had his worst like six or seven seasons <laughs> after he left, uh, he'd still have seven more wins than uh, what I guess Charlie Strong and Tom Herman have compiled. So uh, that oh sounds boy. that sounds pretty rough. That that is pretty rough. That that's pretty rough. All right, but that's gonna do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Make sure you're heading on over to Locked On Podcast to get your team every day, every sport. We got them all. Head on over. But for Cammy, I'm Patrick. As always, keep it locked on. Welcome. Okay.